On your mark, get set, let's go with episode 64 of the Best Thing Podcast. Antonio Neves here, and in this episode, I have a fantastic conversation with internationally renowned radio and TV personality, Crisco Kid. He's the creator of Crisco Kid's Black Party on Sirius XM's Pitbull's Globalization. And over the course of his stellar career, he has worked with big names like Pitbull, Jay-Z, Diplo and Skrillex, and so many more. In this conversation, he shares how the birth of his son changed his life, and it is not what you think. Make sure you listen. You're going to absolutely love this. I want to remind you or let you know that my book, Stop Living on Autopilot, is out now. It has sold thousands of copies. If you're one of those people that already purchased the book, thank you so much. If you get the opportunity, leave a review on Amazon or Goodreads. It goes a far, far way. If you don't have your copy yet, just go to the show notes, click on the link and make it happen. Also, I want to let you know that each week I send out inspiring inspiring and motivational text messages that people absolutely love. If you want to receive those, all you have to do is text me at 310-564-7124. That link is in the show notes. And some really cool news, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by my friends at Geology. Geology is personalized skincare for men who are looking to battle acne, reduce wrinkles, lines, and dark circles, and who are looking to have clear, healthier-looking skin. Let's be real. The last year has stressed everyone out, and we have been pumping cortisol into our systems. That right there leads to inflammation in our whole body, including our face. This year is the time to bounce back and take care of ourselves. Personally, my face is pretty important to me. It's my brand in many ways. When I'm on stages, when I'm delivering talks, when I'm in meetings on Zoom. So it's really important that my skin looks healthy. And I've been using Geology's Nourishing Eye Cream and Everyday Face Wash with a lot of success. I think you're going to love these products. To learn more, just go to geology.com and you can save up to 40% off your first purchase of a trial set. Once again, visit geology.com and save up to 40% off your first purchase of a trial set. All of that information is in the show notes. Okay, without further ado, let's get to episode 64 of the Best Thing Podcast with Crisco Kid. Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where we talk to thought leaders, creatives, authors, and entrepreneurs about how sometimes the best thing to happen to you is the most unexpected. Welcome your host, Antonio Neves. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where I talk to people about the best thing to happen to them that doesn't include the traditional markers of success. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm the author of Stop Living on Autopilot, a speaker and coach. Each week, I bring on a new guest who has a powerful story to tell that will motivate, inspire, and help you see life through a new lens. This week's guest is someone I met on the journey of my book, Stop Living on Autopilot, being published. And I've been so blown away by how giving and kind he has been with introducing me to his massive international platform. Joshua Crisco Kid Carmona is an internationally renowned radio TV personality, 
DJ, producer, and remixer as the creator and host of the Crisco Kid Block Party. For two decades, he has worked with and done work for the likes of Pitbull, Jay-Z, 50 Cent, Diplo and Skrillex, Rick Ross, Common, and many more in music. He has been featured or hosted shows on networks like NBC, MTV, BET, the CW Network Plus, and a multitude of online platforms. Having been an influential voice, tastemaker, and award-winning talent in Houston, Albuquerque, Dallas, Southern California, and currently in Phoenix on Power 98.3 and 96.1, you can also hear his well-respected block party show, Weekends on Sirius XM's Pitbull's Globalization, giving him a weekly reach of over 3 million people and growing. Crisco Kid, welcome to the best thing. Man, can I have you introduce me anywhere I go, bro? It's all okay. amazing. I got you. Yo, listen, in the introduction, I mentioned how uh, you supported me in my book coming out. We got connected. We I showed up on your show, yes. which was amazing. And for me, something I write about in the book is how sometimes the people who know you the least mm -hmm. end up supporting you the most. Mm -hmm. It's not always the people you've known for the longest time. You thought we're going to have your back. We're going to be in your corner. Sometimes these angels show up and they're supporting you like they've known you forever. So I'm curious. First, thank you. Thank you for that, man. Seriously. But I'm also curious for you over the course of your, your this career that I just described, have you found any similar parallels of the people who have supported you the most have known you the least? Yes. And before we start, uh, Antonio, thank you for having me on your platform. I mean, the Best Name Podcast, it's, it's so inspirational. It's a lot of great information from all the guests and from yourself and uh, just a good conversation about stories and how they impact our lives. And uh, you're right. We do see from what I found, uh, I've been to radio 22 years and most of the help that takes me to a different level or expands me to a different audience has been from somebody uh, on the outside that just appreciated the art of what we do. And I think that's exactly what happens, whether it's radio, whether it's TV, whether it's podcasting, whether it's being author of a book. Uh, Antonio, there was just something about you and the brand and the book that I think at the time when the opportunity came to talk to you about Stop Living on Autopilot, I was like, this is perfect. And this is bigger than just an artist or an author being available to do an interview. This is coming at the right time for not just uh, me or an individual, but for the world. Uh, coming out of COVID-19 and 2020, and moving into 2021, I felt that you and your message and your vision and what you want to create is something that the world needs. And that's why I jumped on the Antonio Neves bandwagon. That's why I'm a supporter now. And uh, I wanted other people to share your passion and uh, stop living on autopilot. Yeah, man. Hey, I, I truly appreciate that. And it's wild, like you just said, how sometimes the people that help us with those big growth moments in our life sometimes are on the outside. I think that's for a variety of reasons. I want to talk a little bit about your career, man. Like you said, 22 years in the game, radio, you've done a lot of television. Uh, I'm curious. I, I think a lot of people think, and for a guy, me, who worked in the television industry in New York City for over 10 years as a reporter, correspondent, host, you name it, I'm always blown away, man, because a lot of people think that, that TV is glamorous. When they, 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 I think a lot of people think that radio behind the scenes 
is glamorous. It's like these lights are on all the time and they got different things available. But could you talk a little bit about the behind the scenes? And in my experience working in TV, it's very much a blue collar type of work ethic and the way you got to show up, especially to in radio and TV to make your way to major outlets and cities and markets like you are now. Right. And 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 you're 100% right. A lot of the work happens off mic, behind the scenes. Uh, I can only speak from like my experience. I know there's other personalities that have whole teams behind them. We're talking they got interns for days. They have a whole video team, a whole audio team. And, um, you know, I've had some great people throughout the years be a part of what we're doing. And I appreciate every single person that's contributed to our success. Um, but a lot of what you hear on air takes hours to produce or to prepare to show prep before the show even starts. You know, um, let's just take TV, for example, where you're watching uh, a Jimmy Kimmel or a Fallon or a Colbert or James Corden. You know, there's an hour of content that happens right there. And there's a whole team of writers and producers and uh, talent wranglers and, every you know, making things happen versus in radio. You know, we have a four hour show. And so just looking at that, our breaks, um, we have uh, we have more content per se in a four hour span than the one hour of content with guests and, you know, their original skits. But we have to do all that in radio and still create the picture. There's no visual aspect when we're on the air. So our job, and we have to be careful with our words, uh, our teasing stories, our delivery, because uh, we have less amount of time to get your attention, but we have to be more impactful. So you stick around for what we're saying and obviously the music and then the advertisers, of course. So we're constantly always thinking of how we can put all three of those things together to hold our audience. Yeah, it's an art. I mean, storytelling, especially writing. I think a lot of people don't realize in the medium like radio and TV how important it is to be able, not just to be able to speak, but to be able to write and organize your thoughts. Uh, in the introduction, I talked about some of the markets you've had the opportunity to work in, places like Houston, Albuquerque, Dallas, Southern California. You're currently in Phoenix. Um, I know it's like working in TV, showing up at a new network, new job. Uh, it can be challenging. So I'm curious for you and your background over the years, when, when you step into that that new station, that new experience, that new town, what have you done to go in there and, and build up trust? Because, you know, when you walk in sometimes, like, who is this dude? There are egos that existed already. How have you built trust in new situations? Um, I, just go local. Dive into the local market, the local scene, whether it's hip hop, if they're if the city's known for art, the city's known for food, if it's known for all of that sports, um, go local and be genuine about it. You know, if you're coming from Houston, that's my hometown and going to Albuquerque, there was no other um, sports team. You know, there's no football team. There's no basketball team. So me being an Oilers fan at the time and then they left. And uh, there was no football team, so I was a free agent. Anybody could, I could be anybody's fan at that point, but definitely Rockets and the Astros. And so I didn't have to pretend like some people may do to like get everybody on board with what they're doing. It's just always believe in being authentic, but how can I serve the community? Because a lot of personalities, and, and I'll talk about this uh, coming up a little later if we do talk about uh, running for mayor here in Phoenix, but a lot of people, they, um, they always want to take Take when they go to the city. What can I make? How can I make money here? How can I get involved here? What? How much money can I make, man? Where's what's the big dollar amount? Mine is always what can I give back and how can I strengthen this city or these communities that maybe no one has seen before? And that's what I try to do. Whether it was Albuquerque, 
uh, again, Dallas, uh, living in uh, LA, but I did radio in the IE and in Oxnard Ventura. And, and now in Phoenix, it's what can I add or what culture or communities can I help build so everyone wins? I like that, that, that question of what can I, I give back? It's such a selfless question and it comes from a place of really wanting to give as opposed to take. Let's go a little bit further with that question for a quick second. How about building trust with colleagues when you show up and you're the new person. And again, they're like, okay, this guy thinks he's hot stuff coming in from this market, but this is a new place. Do you even worry about other cats that are doing the show before you, after you? How have you built trust with those folks and the people at the stations? I think it depends on how you come into the market. So if the personality whose time slot you're taking over, did they resign? So coming here, MC Magic was doing mornings and he actually brought me on. And so that was kind of like a co-sign stamp of approval when I got to the market. There's been other situations where I, uh, like going into Albuquerque in 2003, we were launching the hip hop station out there. So there was no one before me and everyone was part of this new team and this new energy we were building. But again, if if you're disrupting someone's pattern, like let's say maybe uh, the the personality before you was let go or whatever happened and the listeners kind of up in the air like, wait, what, what, what happened here? Oh, this new guy's whack. Oh, I don't like, he's got too much energy. Or I don't know, he likes this team. I, I try not to be disruptive to their pattern. And this is part of the science and what I do. And we talked about it being an art. This is a secret here. This is a key. You have to remove your ego And you have to not take it personal because what I've found in radio, it's about creating habits, listening habits, appointments. And so if you're in the morning or in the afternoon, you know, imagine at seven o'clock, you know that this is going to happen with your favorite show and they're going to prank call somebody or they're going to have some gossip for you. And let's say you set that alarm clock on your phone at seven. So you wake up and you know you're getting that. Or let's say in the afternoon, you're driving home, you're picking up the kids, everybody's in the car, and we got this feature or something that's happening at that certain time. You guys have built a habit of listening around that. And so the problem isn't always that you're coming in to take your their favorite personality's job or their show. It's you've disrupted their listening pattern with something new that you're bringing. And so when you figure out a way to kind of keep consistent or something that is as equally whatever or better, They don't mind. And again, when you know that you're in a position to have fun, we're going to be engaging. We're going to be topical. We're going to keep it local as much as possible. And you bring people into your world and you share your world with them. I don't think they have that much of a problem, but it definitely starts with checking the ego at the door and letting your other colleagues know, baby, we're all in this together. Yeah. Win. I'm trying to win. You just schooled me real quick right there. I especially love that that topic of uh, not being disruptive and creating the habits. What a really good reminder. Just again, as I'm thinking about the work that I'm doing, like the habits, the things I'm getting people to expect on a regular basis. Just a few more questions before I get into this um, question of one of the best things to happen to you over the course of your career. I mentioned at the top of the show, man, you've had the opportunity to work with some some major, major names in music. Uh, of course, you're currently working with Pitbull. You talk about 50 Cent, Diplo, Rick Ross, et cetera. You've worked with these folks in different capacities. Of course, many of these talented artists, men and women have come to your studios. You've had conversations with them throughout the years. I was on your uh, Instagram recently, saw a photo with you. And one of my favorite artists, Nate Dogg, had to play my song, I Got Love, just to make me feel good for a second. 
I'm curious, this is a broad question. What are some of those key things you've learned from some of these big name artists that have come in? And sometimes I know you sometimes you got 20 minutes with them, if that if not a shorter amount of time. Any key themes, things that have uh, stayed with you that you've learned from these folks that have have survived throughout the, the seasons? The most successful people, whether it's music or anything that we do, I think, is we just focus on what we're doing and be the best we can at it. And when uh, some of these other artists, they, they're they constantly putting themselves in beefs. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the weird analogy because you think of 50 Cent where he would, you know, with the whole jaw rule and he beef with Rick Ross, beef with Kanye West. You got 6ix9ine versus Meek Mill and whoever else right now. LL Cool J and his beef in the 90s. I mean, when people come in and we have our conversations, the real successful ones, the ones that take themselves to the higher level, they focus on their art and being the best. They don't worry too much about what everyone else is doing. And they're always looking for ways to improve their financial situation, their family situation, and how they can take things to the next level. And this is why recently I started on my Instagram and Twitter and, and all different medias I can, is go back and ask the people, what is their why? Because what I'm finding, the ones that are successful, the legends, like in the past couple of weeks, I've had it, Antonio Neves on the show. I've had Kelly Rowland, Dr. Oz, Lou Diamond Phillips, Howie Mandel. I'm asking people, what is their why? Because the ones that know why they're doing all this are the ones that achieve the most success. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I like that. Being best always, focusing on your art, always looking to improve, not just about being famous and those things. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. I, I I can't not mention this. You mentioned the word mayor. You mentioned the word mayor of Phoenix uh, from our previous conversations. I know how important your community is to you. I know you've had restaurants and you do have different business ventures outside of what you do, uh, which I think is amazing. You're busy enough as it is. You have, you have a family, but you're involved in the community. It's real for you. So what, what's popping with the, this mayor thing you're talking about? So t- 2020, um, uh, we know that was just a crazy year. Expect the unexpected because it was pretty much going to happen. Um, I-, I got into the Phoenix mayor's race pretty late, pretty late. So where I only had a pretty much a week and a half, two weeks to get my signatures needed for the petition. We, we fell short because I had to start all over two or three times because the city found discrepancies on my petition sheet. Fast forward, I, I had to move forward as a writing candidate, which that alone was a learning process against officially making on the ballot. But the reason why I wanted to run for mayor was because after the death of George Floyd, and this has been happening for so many years before, and I'm not going to get political, I'm not going to get too far one way or the other, but I, I found that um, I could only attend so many protests or rallies. I could only hear people talking about what they wanted to do for so long. And I was talking to other radio personalities in different cities, and no one had mentioned taking anything to the next level. And so that's when I decided that to really see change, to really shake things up, to really hold city uh, officials, our elected officials, police, the community accountable. Because I believed it's all together. It's not just holding one person or one group of people. Everyone has to be held to a higher accountability level. That is exactly why I got involved, because I knew I have a platform. I knew there would be people that would listen to me. And I knew 
when I couldn't get certain city officials, even the current mayor, to be on my show so I could ask what her plan is. What did she really intend on doing and how can we move forward together? I could not get her on the phone. That's when I said, I'm going to get their attention and I'm going to run for mayor. And that's exactly, that was my why. And we, we, shook, we shook some things up to where there's people asking if I'm going to run for the elections happening in 2022. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how it goes. But what I really admire is that I think sometimes people... Like you said, you, it was a bit of an uphill battle for you, but that did not stop you from entering the race. I think sometimes people forget that we can spark change just times, sometimes just by still entering the race, still by showing up, still by pushing. It doesn't necessarily mean we have to win, right. but by being there, that means certain, if I'm hearing you correctly, certain conversations now have to be had because I'm here that they otherwise would not happen. Exactly. The, the last week we had our runoff here for city council district three and district seven. And I don't know if this uh, uh, attests to the platform or our conversation, uh, but the two candidates that chose to come on the show, they won their seats. So. Okay. And you know, it's wild. People are, probably, people are probably listening to this right now. And as you mentioned, district three, district seven, there are a lot of people that don't know about their districts. They don't know the names of the men and the women who are on the school board who are on the city council. So this is a, an encouragement, not only to the listeners, but to myself to get involved, to find out who is involved, who's on these councils, who's on these boards, et cetera, because we can shape what's happening in our communities. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Let me know if you, if you run in 2022, that's exciting. But let's get to this question. Let's do it. Best, best thing. You've had a stellar career, stellar life cont continues to be, so I know you have a lot of different examples you could pull from, but what would you say is one of the quote unquote best things that happened to you that has influenced and impacted how you show up in life today? Right. You know, um, we've talked about this before and there are three key moments in my life. And that's one thing I value in your book, Stop Living on Autopilot, where the chapter asks you to list some of the best things that have happened in your life. And when it comes down to it and I kind of check the box and I'm going to pick one today, just because I want to show my family how much I value them. And I'm going to pick the, the, the birth of my son. And Phoenix J, and, and, and this is not uh, to be cliche. This is not to be, oh, you know, he's a new dad. You know, this has to do with when I appreciate my son. And I appreciate Brenda. And I appreciate my family and our families coming together to raise this, this child here, this beautiful child. He's two and a half years old. But what happened when my son was born and even during the preparation, we talked about this earlier, how, you know, we're hustlers and, and not settling. And, you know, when I was the ambassador for Team Hennessy and Hennessy's motto is never stop, never settle. And that's one of the reasons they chose me as well, because they felt I embodied that. And we're talking 2016, fast forward to 2018 when my son is born. And I thought that was never stop, never settle. That was Yes. But watching him being born and the preparation and now being a father has taken the, the hustle, the business, the professional, and the personal accountability to levels that I didn't think would be available to me. I had thought I'd already, man, I've out-hustled everybody. I've created two different hip-hop cultures, one for Houston and one on the West Coast. Like, uh, like, man, what more can I, can I be doing? 
But really, the birth of my son awoke an energy that I don't think people who do not have children, um, and I'm not downing them, no cap, nothing like that. But until you have children, I don't think your true hustling and motivation and your why can really, really begin. Listen, as you're talking right now, I had an episode recently where I shared, uh, we were talking about superpowers in my household and asked my kids what my superpower was. And they said working. Mm. And it broke my heart a little bit because I was like, oh, that's what they think about dad. Not the best hugger, not the best high fiver. But I also realized they're seeing me in a capacity. They probably wouldn't have saw me if it wasn't a pandemic where daddy works at home every single day and shuts the door. And like you, one thing I'm going to raise them with the strong values about what it means to work hard, to do work you actually love. Thank goodness the work that I'm doing yes. is work that I love. But yes. the question I want to get to is this for you. You talked about it unleashed a new level of hustle in you. So can you distinguish, though? The difference between what the hustle looked like prior to your son and then after your son, my hunch is it has, some, has something to do maybe with with the focus. But what's the difference between the hustle prior and now? Three words. You ready? Let's go. Me versus we. Everything was about me. And I care about my family. But if I was always able to eat and help my mom get this house and, and help my dad in this situation or my brother, my sister, anybody who was on my team. That was kind of like my we, right? But now the we becomes all of that plus my son and understanding the legacy and understanding what I'm going to leave because I started so late having kids. And I know, I can realistically know, and it, it's probably going to make me emotional right now. But I know I only have a certain window. And so I have to work every day as hard as I can because I'm not a young dad that has oh, all his 20s, his 30s. I'll, I have a window because the men in my family, we don't make it past 70. Maybe I can break that. I don't know if it's a generational curse. I don't know if people listening believe in biblical terms and whatever, but I, only, I have a window. So I have to bust my ass every day to make sure he's good, to make sure his son, his daughter, his family is good. That's my motivation every day. Yeah, man. Well, first, I appreciate you sharing that. And I can I can connect with that 100 uh, yeah. percent. The word legacy, you mean, man, uh, you said I, I get it. I, I feel that window more and more every single day that you describe. It's interesting as you're talking and, and sharing, obviously, your love for your family. You said something as we led into this that really stood out to me. You said, and it got me emotional when you said it. You're like, I want to show my family how much I care about them. Do you know how few people say that out loud? How few people acknowledge that? You said, I want to show my family how much I care about them. This is an interesting question for you, though. I'm going to go somewhere you're not expecting me to go. In the work that you do, you encourage people. Some people can call you a DJ. They can call you a radio personality, host, whatever. But when I listen to you and the messages you share, whether it's on, on, on your radio shows and different platforms, what I hear is an encourager. I hear a coach in many ways that's reminding people not to settle, but to contribute the way that you're showing up, the way you're contributing. That, that's baked in to everything that you do. So here's the question for all the encouragers out there, but for you, I like to always ask who encourages the encourager? So who and all the encouraging you, you're doing, all the pouring into your community, your family, you're doing, who encourages you? I think the encouragement 
got rooted at an early level, an early stage in my life. Both my parents retired from education. So I understood the value of book smarts and street smarts. My father was also a football coach. So if you hear me throw football analogies in the conversation, or if you hear me think like, man, it's interesting that you said the word coach, because one of the key things that I'll always remember, and I'm going to pass it to my son, I pass it to as many people as I can, which is what my dad would say on the field. Do it right. Do it light. Do it wrong. Do it long. And he's been saying that since the 80s in coaching, and he still says it to this day. Say it one more time for me. Do it right. Do it light. Do it wrong. Do it long. And when you put that into play, not just on the field, but in everyday life, you understand that if you do things right the first time, you do diligent, you move accordingly, you move proper, you don't have to go back a second time to do it. Or at least if you do, it's not on fault of anything that you've done because you've done everything to eliminate excuses or mistakes. And if you do it wrong, you're doing it the long way. You're going to have to go back and take another lap. You're going to have to come back and do it. You know what I mean? So stop taking shortcuts. I know we have cheat codes. We have life hacks. We have all that. But understand when to use a life hack and when to use life. And I think under, people, they can't distinguish or they choose not to distinguish the situations. So my mom, between her unconditional love and just support and my dad's coaching, just being rooted in great people that I've met along the way, great mentors, um, and too many to name, but thank you all because whether you're a supporter or a hater, there's definitely a lesson in every conversation that I've ever taken away from you. Well, you just dropped so many words there. At the end of the day, what I'm hearing you talk about, what I don't think we talk enough about in society nowadays, because I feel like there is a lot of Let's be real. Rightful blaming. There, there is some blaming that does need to happen in certain ways. And at the end of the, end of the day, I'm one of these people that after at the end of the day, I have to point the finger at myself and ask myself, how am I choosing to show up to respond? What's going on? No matter what everyone else is doing, the community, politicians, etc. I can control what I can control. My standards, my values that I want to still instill in my family, the way the way you're talking about. And you said something truly powerful, man. You said understand when to use a life hack. And when to use life. I mean, that just hits on so many levels. I'm just hoping you could just expound on that just a little bit more. Understand when to use a life hack and when to use life. That just came out, man. So, you know, um, but as I'm thinking, and I'll give you the feeling that I was feeling as I was talking to you about that. So many times we're always looking for how to find the shortcut and not overthink and kind of have things handed to us. So we take ourselves out and just go through the motion to get things done. And the point I was trying to make is that, believe it or not, and again, I'm not sure how deep in the Bible people may be or not, but if you really believe that God's giving you the tools and nothing more that you, you know, can't handle, then you should understand that your life experience and things that you've gone to have already given you enough to, to, to be equipped for what you need in battle. 
And I think sometimes when you're depending on the layup or the easy thing to be given to you, or you're, 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 you're spending more time trying to find these life hacks instead of looking back within you and saying, I've been there before. I've actually had a conversation with someone who went through this, who lived through this. And if I was paying attention to what they were saying, instead of, you know, some people don't, they don't actively listen. They're just actively thinking what they're going to answer with so they can hear themselves speak again. But if you participated in conversations and interviews and just regular people you're talking to every day of your life, these conversations and these tools have already been given to you. It's just up to you to use your life experience and conversations in your own life to figure out how to deal with what's going on. Yes. What a reminder that you don't climb a mountain by accident. I got to remind myself of that. Remind others you don't climb a mountain by accident, but you just hit the nail on the head. The time that we waste looking externally for these life hacks versus looking within versus looking what's, you know, with what's already around us. I think that man is a poignant place for us to end this conversation. We, we could go on and on and on. But again, I just want to say out loud, just as an, as, as an affirmation, as an encouragement to you that you don't need, I know, but I truly believe that y- your gift goes beyond the music. It goes, I mean, it shows obviously in the work that you're doing in the community that we'll share more about in the show notes. It shows that your work as a businessman, the legacy you're creating as a, as a father, you are a coach. You are an encourager. You're one of those people that I'm sure if they listen to you, after they talk to you, no matter how tall they are, they feel taller. Uh, they, they feel encouraged. So I just want to shine that light on you to make sure you know that, man. And uh, I'm just so humbled that you're giving me the time today uh, to have this conversation. I'm humbled to be on the Best Thing Podcast with Antonio Nevs. Trust me. Trust me. All right. Well, this isn't going to be the last time we do this, man. I appreciate you. Uh, You know, it's going to be in the show notes, but I'm going to ask the question anyways for those people that want to learn more about you, the grind, all the beautiful things that you're up to. Where where can they go? Yeah, everything is at Crisco Kid. That's C-R-I-S-C-O-K-I-D-D. So all social media platforms, if you want a game, by the way, there's a lot of cool things happening on Twitch and I'm trying to evolve into that space because I want to have conversations like this uh, while we're gaming because I, I feel like um, gaming and that space is another way to really get the youth involved because they're already doing it, but why not encourage and keep people motivated and drop some gems while they're gaming as well. Exactly. Join them. Instead of saying, why are they playing video games so much? Join them. Participate Hurry. instead of, hey, all right, Chris, go kid. Thank you, man. Thank Appreciate you. you. Much love. Oh, wow. I just absolutely love that episode with Crisco Kid, and I hope you equally love that conversation. I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by my friends over at Geology. Geology is personalized skincare for men who are looking to battle acne, reduce wrinkles, lines, and dark circles, and those folks that just want to have clear, healthier-looking skin. As I mentioned at the top of this show, My face is essentially my brand. So it's important to me when I'm on stages, when I'm on Zoom calls, when I'm giving presentations that my skin looks healthy. And I've been using Geology's Nourishing Eye Cream and Everyday Face Wash with a lot of success. Let's keep it real. Face care is just as important as self-care, like going to the gym, eating well and getting enough sleep. Skin care completes the self-care package. And look, Geology is a big hit. So many happy faces with more than 3,000 five-star reviews. 
It's been given the best of grooming awards by big outlets like Esquire, Men's Health, and Ask Men. Some good news as a special offer to the Best Thing podcast audience. All you have to do is head over to geology.com and save up to 40% off your first purchase of a trial set. Once again, for my listeners, head over to geology.com and save up to 40% off your first purchase of a trial set. Let them know I sent you. All of this information is in the show notes. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Best Thing Podcast with Antonio Neves. Join us next week for more stories that'll help you see the world through a new lens. For more resources, go to theantonioneves.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share with a friend and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.